I'm doing awesome. It was a roller coaster of a game, but by the, it didn't start high and end low. It started low and it climbed. I guess it's not much of a roller coaster though. If, it's not very fun to just. I guess it was an escalator of a game. It didn't feel good to start. It was like very low first half, but by the second half, I'm way up there. That was awesome. Thirty-one straight points in the second half. That's that's incredible. Thirty-four. Thirty-four. You're right. Oh man. But but it, imagine here's my thing. Imagine watching the first half. Wait, was it 34 straight points and 31 in the unanswered. second half? Okay, yeah, because they got that field goal at the end of the half. Okay. Oh wait, I'm I'm wrong. I'm wrong. They did 34 unanswered. Oh my gosh, I'm making it more confusing because they did get that field goal at the half. Yes, 34 yeah. unanswered. But imagine at halftime, you kind of you're like mm, 17 to three. Obviously, we are still going to care about this game. But say you're just like a casual fan and you're like, I'm not finishing this game. They're down 17 to three. They look bad on all sides of the ball. And you find out this team comes back and wins by 34-23. Um, obviously, Tom Brady has a garbage, garbage touchdown to end the game, but um, that didn't really matter at the end of the day. And just realized how in the world they were able to do it with some of their defensive injuries. Here's the thing. I Again, Tampa was dealing with injuries too. A lot of teams at this point in the season, teams are hurt. That's just the way it goes, unfortunately, and both sides were dealing with them. But for the Bengals to be without some of their key playmakers, you think of Mike Hilton, you think of Trey Hendrickson, they lose Sam Hubbard in the game, you lose Cam Taylor Britt late, late, late in the game, but still, to be able to make the adjustments, because at halftime, it looked like Tom Brady was just dicing them up, and there was just no way, even though I have faith in Lou, I'm like, I just don't know. I mean, are they going to be able to stop him? What adjustments are we going to see at halftime? And Lou does the king stuff that he does, and this team comes out. They get three and outs. They have four turnovers in a row against Tom Brady. Yeah, when three and outs or, or two plays and the ball's on the ground. I mean, honestly, yeah. What do you even? At this point, it would it would have been better for Tampa if they could even punt the ball. At that <laughs> First point. down, <laughs> like they weren't punt. even they weren't even able to do anything. It was absolutely unbelievable uh, for this team to just force the turnovers. And I need to know all the stats. The last time all of that has happened, um, I know there was crazy numbers with Tom Brady being eighty nine and zero at home if he has a seventeen point lead. Now at an eighty nine and one. Uh, thanks to the Cincinnati Bengals. None of that stuff just matters. You know, you hear the stats, you hear it's Tom Brady. Oh, he's lost two in a row. He's not going to lose again after getting beat down by the 49ers the week before. The division is still in sight for the NFC South. And for this team to just go out there on the road, you're sitting on a five-game win streak, now make it six. This is a chance for you to capitalize, have sole possession of the AFC North now that the Baltimore Ravens lost and you'd get it done. Yeah, um, I think we talked about that Ravens win doesn't mean that the Bengals can drop the Ravens game, but they can drop any other game. Like you can drop the game to Buffalo or the game to New England, but you can't drop that Ravens game and you can't drop two of those games. Uh, it just gives you breathing room. And I thought they might need it early on in this game for the whole entire first half. I was like, Gosh, this is a the game they're going to drop. <laughs> like this is the one you're going to be okay dropping, but they didn't. And that's awesome. 
Now, if the Ravens lose another game, now you start getting into it's not just breathing room, but you could drop that Ravens game if you win the other ones because who cares? You could rest your guys if there's no chance at the, at the one seed. I don't know if there's much difference with two and three. I guess you want the two seed just so you'd be at home if, you know, the three seed beats whatever. But uh, or I guess you'd be at home when you play the three seed because two seed probably plays the three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. Uh, that's a long way to just say – thanks Browns, but also uh good job Bengals winning that game uh it was it was hard it was, it was a toughly fought game it was a very very weird game it felt like Tampa just had a uh automatic rifle to their foot the entire second half of you know you just shot yourself in the foot with one fumble they did a pair of the, the fumbled handoff felt like the moment where it was just like I think think that you know the football gods out there want the Bengals to win this game I mean the geo for them well I mean it just that was a sleeper agent that was a calculated move by the Bengals they planned that three years ago when they released them they said when we run into each other in Tampa me over here believing everything you're saying for like five (laughs) seconds like wait a minute wait a minute where are you going with this um, but just it's just absolutely unbelievable. What's so amazing about it, I want to get to more of the defensive side of the ball in just a moment. B.J. Hill, when he was coming off the field into the Bengals tunnel, he said uh, that fairly tough defense. And, you know, we talk about bullets and board material and all that stuff is really silly in the NFL because everybody gets paid to perform. But those guys hear the outside world. They know what's being said, and you know maybe Tom Brady's not taking a shot at them, but they know they are a tough defense. They have guys stepping up next man up to another level with this defense, and they performed again, forcing turnovers. DJ Reader coming up big again. This guy is just a force. Yeah, the strip sack from him where he knocks the ball out, perfect. I mean, and he recovers the other fumble, that fumbled handoff. He's the one who recovers it. Um, I think defenses recover those fumbled handoffs and stuff much more than offenses just because you've got extra eyes on the ball. Just something to note there where the offense, there's two guys who know he fumbled there, the quarterback and the running back. So they're ones trying to jump on it. Defense, everybody's got their eyes on that. They see that ball and they're all trying to dive for it. So that's one reason that Reader is probably able to come away with that other than him just being – a dude uh he had a good game but it felt man there's a lot of there's a lot of people that had good games i thought the Bengals corners might not have had a great game at least for that first half uh but didn't matter they came away with the win i thought jermaine pratt had a really good game um bj hill had a good game yeah the the fairly tough defense thing i think that's why belichick only ever talks glowingly of other teams and players. And it's weird that Brady didn't pick up on that and just say like, Oh yeah, that defense, they held Mahomes to three points. Yeah. They're really good. Or something like that. Instead he says fairly tough defense. And it's like, that's not a shot or a backhanded compliment, but it's not giving enough praise. And uh, they took that personally. So it was cool. It's cool that they know made a little bulletin board material. I'm not sure if it means they played harder or anything, but I think, you know, it is cool to stick it to the greatest player of all time. And then to also, you know, be able to talk a little smack afterwards. You're probably not seeing that guy again. <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's funny because you watch the first half 
Jesse Bates should have had an interception. Eli Apple should have had an interception. And we kind of joke like, man, these corners, these secondaries, these safeties, they have to catch the ball when it's in their hands. And then they come out and they force turnovers and interceptions and everything in the second half. Stray Flowers, if you had that on your bingo card of the first player to get an interception in, in the cornerback room. Yeah, nobody else has one, huh? I nope. didn't think of that. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, that was a really cool play. Um, so what they did there was they showed pressure, and they didn't just show it with the front. They had everybody lined up on the front, but sometimes you do that, and then you'll still have, like, a safety deep. They had no safety deep. They had their guys lined up. Um, you know, JT Sullivan at the QB school calls it birds on a feather. Or not birds. <laughs> that's a different saying. Birds on, like, a fence post. So, you know, just – Straight across, straight line. That's called uh, straight contour if you want to get more technical about it. But what that means is you're either going to get quarters or zero, most likely. And with that look with all the guys up front, you're probably getting zero. They didn't zero Brady because that's not really something you should do too often. Uh, but what they did, they dropped eight guys in the coverage. So they rushed three. And the Bengals are one of the leaders of the NFL in dropping eight and only sending three guys to rush. So they drop eight. That floods an extra person into coverage. Talk about resource management. You have 11 guys to use. Do you, who do you put in coverage? Who do you rush? Generally, it's seven and four, but this time they went eight and three. It was cover three, so a single high guy rotated from uh, one of those birds on the fence post to the deep middle. And what that does, it, it just created a constriction of space. So many guys in the passing pattern, they're not getting a ton of pressure, but the Bengals weren't getting a ton of pressure anyway. So when Brady goes to throw that, it's such a tight window throw because they dropped eight guys into coverage that it didn't exactly hit the mark and Trey Flowers can come away with the interception. I'm not sure they fooled Brady so much as they played, they played rock when Brady played scissors. It's kind of wild to ask you this because obviously we talked about the performance of the defense and just the turnovers, how they turn it around, the adjustments that we noticed with guys stepping up with some of the starters out in this game. But what did you think of the absence of Trey Hendrickson out there and how the defense looked without him? That was definitely felt. Uh, I think, and Sam Hubbard gets hurt too. I was, uh, Hubbard got hurt early, so I can't say too much. I really thought they'd be able to get a little bit of pressure, especially when Donovan Smith got hurt. I know he came back, but you're playing a hobbled Donovan Smith at left tackle. They have a backup right tackle, and this offensive line hasn't been very good the entire year. So I came into this thinking the Bengals don't have dudes really on the defensive line without Trey Hendrickson, but they should be able to get some pressure, and they just did not. I want to go back and watch. I know Osai made that one tremendous – hit on Tom Brady that forced the wobbler that Pratt caught. But overall, I, was, I thought the pass rush was fairly lackluster and a big reason why that the Buccaneers were able to move the ball so well early on in this game. Yeah, I think kind of going forward, the thing, and I give credit to the Bengals for this when it comes to injuries and how they put their guys in the best position as possible. They're not going to rush them back. So if Trey is someone who can play with the club, depending on what they decide is best for him going into the Patriots game, or maybe they send him out until the big game against the Buffalo Bills. But that's just something to watch out for on the injury report this week. I know Zach Taylor did say last Monday that he wasn't going to roll him out for the Tampa game just yet. And then obviously he did not play. Uh, when you think of Dax Hill out there, I know you're going to go back and watch the tape, but just from watching the game live, what did you think of him? 
Um, I didn't think it was great, but he wasn't in a great spot all the time. Just not like him messing up. I mean that I think the defense called or needed in the moment required him to do something that was a bit too hard for a rookie making his first start. And what I'm thinking of is that defensive pass interference to Mike Evans. He is in press man coverage against Mike Evans from the slot. That is hard. That is really hard. I thought he did okay. He missed his jam early, so he's playing from behind the entire rep. But he gets back in there. He just – I know there's the whole you have to look back thing, whatever. I think that's extremely hard to do because you don't know when the ball's coming unless you just see the hands and stuff, and then you try to play through the hands. You're not seeing him raise his hands and then turning your head, and then it's, it's, it's like immediate. I got to get my hand in there. So – 50-50 call. I could I see why it's called because he made a lot of contact, stopped him from catching that ball, but not he wasn't in he could have been in better position if he would have landed his jam and everything. That's just really hard. Uh I thought he had a few reps like that where it was just like oh, that's a really hard ask, whether it's Godwin or Evans or even Russell Gage got him a couple of times. That's one where I would think I hope he would be able to win that matchup, but he didn't always win that matchup. Uh I thought in general the Tampa Bay wide receivers had their way a little bit with the Bengals corners. And I think the Buccaneers game plan that not just to attack Hill, but everybody. And I can uh, explain what I mean by that. In the most important downs, there was a fourth and one and uh, on the goal line, two different times, they do what they create, what's called a four strong look. And what that is, is it means you motion the back and send him to the trips, three wide receiver side. So you have four guys over there and out of your five eligible receivers, talk about resource management, you got 80% of the guys over here. What that does is generally you're going to have the backside, the one, one-on-one. And they got that with Eli Apple. And that was when it was a, it was a tough catch, but Evans beat him on the slant on fourth and one to make the catch. And then they tried it again, but this time the Bengals responded by using another resource, a safety, to just bracket Evans. So they, we're not letting Evans beat us, but what that does, it takes a guy away from the four strong side, and that left, I think it was Cam Taylor Britt one-on-one with Russell Gage, and he gives up the touchdown. And yeah, I think it's a smart way to attack the defense. You would hope that the Bengals' corners would be able to step up and make it so like you're not going to be able to just do that and get whatever you want against us, but the Bengals defense uh, won in other ways. <laughs> the the drop eight cover three, a lot of these fumbles and opportunities, the interceptions. So they didn't show, they didn't convince me that I should be excited or not nervous about when they play Buffalo because I think if I'm the Bills, I'm taking that four strong idea and putting Stefan Diggs as the one and seeing what happens. Although I will say, uh, Chris Godwin is way better than anybody else that the Bills have besides Diggs. Like, I think Gabe Davis is fine, but he's really just a high variance touchdown or drop type of guy. Yeah, and and hopefully by then, again, we'll know more this week and, and later the following week, uh, the Mike Hilton injury, if he's good to go, if he's back out there, you think of um, Cam Taylor-Britt hoping to get good news on that. He was rolled out in that game. Again, we don't know what the injury is. I know that was a shoulder for him, um, but if it means that he is going to be good to go versus the Patriots next week, because it is a short week for them because they do play on Saturday. But let's get to the offensive side next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is 
It's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati offense. Again, I'm trying to give defense their credit, their love, giving them a couple first segments because they've um, performed pretty well all season and they're an underrated crew still with Levin Arumo. But let's flip to the offensive side of the ball. Joe Burrow, here's the thing. If you look at his stats, you see four TDs, you're like, all right, Joe. Joe had himself a day. But early on, we have to be honest on the podcast, Joe struggled. Yeah. Uh, he had, and this wasn't in the first half, the worst play I've ever seen from him. I know people are saying he saw the flag. He saw the flag on a post snap, like the well into the play where the corner gets called for holding. Like that could easily just be not OPI probably, but hands to the face, something from the offense. And then that flag doesn't matter. Like the only time I give the quarterback the benefit of the doubt on the flag is if he gets a guy to jump off sides, you know, the free play Aaron Rodgers thing, that sack that didn't count as a sack because of the holding call. That was brutal. I mean, to lose 20-something yards and give the Bucks if if it stood the ball at midfield on your own side when you were in the red zone, hooey, that was, uh, that was a brain-dead play because it's fourth down, man. You're not getting away. Just throw it up for a, for a guy. Don't throw it away, but although that would be a better call than what he did, uh, throw it up for somebody. Just you got T Higgins, just throw it up. Just throw it up and see what happens. You know, if it's a free play, why don't you just throw it up? I don't know. That was the whole thing. I didn't think Burrow played that well, but he got better as the game went. I thought he was good early. And then he had that stupid tip pass interception. Which is Those tip getting, passes are nightmares. Getting insane. I wasn't even tipped at the line. That was a guy rushing from, the linebacker, you know, that jumped up and just got his hands up, whatever. I There's nothing you could really do about this because I've seen people say pump fake or something. It's like that's an RPO, man. You pump fake, you get an illegal man downfield call. So it's so timing-based, and most NFL offenses are, that you can't just willy-nilly, yeah, throw in a pump fake here. <laughs> Let's get the defense to jump. Um, you can, but it's usually safe for double moves or if you're really trying to move a safety. I've seen him move the shoulders, but that doesn't help the – the pass rush guys, because they're not, they're not following your shoulders to get their hands up. They're waiting until you pull the pin on the grenade. They're not so much, you know, you move your shoulders and I'm going to change my rush and move over here. It's like, they're just rushing straight ahead. And if you're going to throw it at them, they get their hands up. So I don't know the fix other than just attacking deep downfield and not getting rid of quick game, but less usage of it. The RPO stuff is getting weird with two of those as well, but that is so timing based that if you wait the extra half a second, we saw it with Miles Garrett last week, Garrett gets in the window and then Burrow has to hesitate. Actually, I think he does pump and then throw and they get called for illegal man downfield. Nothing really on Jonah there. That's just, that's what happens when you try to pump fake there. So if Burrow pump fakes and gets the, I think it was a safety to jump, and then throws it, yeah, he probably gets completed, but you're probably also getting an illegal man downfield because that offensive line, they can't see you. <laughs> so they're trying to time when they get downfield because they eventually have to get to the linebackers because it's an RPO. It's a, there's a run option in there. So if they're going to make a play and make the right block, they have to get downfield eventually, and uh, usually that timing is based like 
one and a half seconds, two seconds, you know, that read's supposed to be so quick that you don't have time for the for the pump fake. But overall, I didn't think Burrow played well. This is the first time in a while Burrow hasn't played well, though. And I'm not that nervous about it continuing. I know there was the pinky thing, but I thought his throws looked fine. I just thought it was kind of brain dead situation sometimes. Yeah. And that's that was the only thing that was a little concerning just because of, you know, how well Joe has played most of the season. But look, expectations are super high for this guy because he's he's played so well for them while he's been in Cincinnati. So hopefully it was just kind of one of those games. And it's still again, it's wild to say. I know they put 34 points up. I know they got good field position due to turnovers uh, at times, but then they had some some great drives late late in the game. So I um, yeah, it was OK. It was OK. It wasn't it wasn't Joe's great. It wasn't his best game at all. Uh, just to be completely honest, I'm trying to be trying to be like I know that you know certain fans are like, oh, you're down on Joe. They found a way to win. Look, I I, I want Joe to to do well. I'm you know screaming from the rooftops. This guy should be in the MVP conversation. Uh, but at the same time, he didn't he didn't have the greatest Joe Burrow game. Um, but I know you're going to go back and watch the tape and kind of break more of that down on Tuesday's pod. Let's go to the rest of the offense, the offensive line. Just by watching it live, how did you feel about it? Uh, man. Like a lot, um, like a lot of the game, I thought early on it was bad, and then it got better. <laughs> I just think the whole team just came out so bad. Like mm-hmm. every facet of the game, except weirdly special teams, was terrible. I know. Like special teams stepped up early, and they got that first turnover on the geo play, the sleeper agent play. But um, yeah, I I didn't like it early. Collins. He is what he is. In pass protection, he is falling down. Like I, I, I don't know. I think some people don't. They're trying to say he's playing pretty well. I think starting level when you consider everything. I don't think the pass protection is really starting level, and it showed today against Joe Tryon. Uh, got that sack. Ugh, man, it was ugly. The way he like dives after guys to try to push them because he can't hold up is just weird. I hope it's just something that gets better, but I think it's something you just have to manage this year and hopefully it's better next year. I still don't think I would just move on to move on after the season, but his limitations show up and Burrow can't hold the ball a long time if he's one-on-one because he's getting beat at two and a half seconds. Whether you think that's a win or a loss, that's up to you. I don't like a guy hitting the ground after two seconds like that, but uh, that's rough. I don't know. I Overall, I thought they were fine, though. Like, when you consider the entire game, the run game didn't really work, but I thought it was also an interesting plan to attack this Bucks defense that we could talk about if you want. But, yeah, I do. Uh, Let's go ahead and go into the run game. Okay. I don't know why they kept attacking the edge of this Buccaneers defense when up the middle they were missing Vita Vea. I know up the middle runs weren't killing it, but they felt better. Like every time they ran a toss or a pin pool or some action that made Joe Mixon or Samaj P. Ryan run to the outside of this defense, they got like one yard. And there was one play, Mixon had to fight for that yard. I remember he let a stiff arm, made a guy miss, and then ran somebody over just to get one yard or two yards. I was like, geez. And then when they run straight ahead, there were some plays that really worked. I know sometimes that these are run plays where – the option is either straight ahead or outside, like Duo has that option. But there were plays pin pool where they're pinning a guy and they're trying to pull around to get the edge. And I just I was a little bit confused about that plan because it felt like they weren't attacking where I would have attacked, where 
I'm just really running at the backup nose tackle and using Alex Kappa, Ted Karras, Law Collins, these guys to just try to move that front and get yards that way. The edge to me is almost a little bit more big hitters. And they were kind of getting to that when they were even up. Like, you don't need the big hitting run play right now. Run it up the gut, gain five yards, and just keep this clock moving. I think they did that a little bit on that final drive. But most of the game, I was a little bit confused by the plan of attack with the run game. And that was, I don't know. It was, I, I don't know what they saw. Like, maybe they they think, because I know Shaq Barrett was supposed to miss. Maybe they just didn't really think that the backup defensive ends were anything special and but then when i think of it i think i mean they've got maniacs you know devin white's gonna run sideline to sideline better than he is gonna come off a block and then you have uh bunting and davis and we could talk about carlton davis i had a heck of a game but these corners are really physical antoine winfield's a really physical safety like they've got a bunch of guys that if it gets spilled to the outside i don't feel that great i feel better about running up the gut and trying to make you know Levante David's a heck of a player, but Devin White's smaller. You can get a guy on him and maybe get a good block. That's that's what I think I would have done, but eh, it's picking nits too because this team won by multiple scores. So I feel weird no. complaining too much, but uh, the run game, I don't think it worked just because the plan of attack was incorrect although it's easy for me to say that that's that's hindsight's 2020 if they if they're running for 10 yards a pop on those outside runs and i'd sound stupid but <laughs> when i was watching live i was just a little bit confused by that normally i think there are situations you can do those outside runs but this wasn't really the game for it just because of the nose tackle injury i'll say this and obviously the run game wasn't something special to watch in that game but i still like that they're doing the samaje joe reps um, I think that is so smart to do because one day or not one day in one game, it's going to work um, as you balance it out. We've, we've seen it already this season. One of these days it'll work. One of these days after it just happened like seven days ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but now we're just spoiled. Now we're just spoiled with the run game and, and Joe Burrow, the way he looks out there. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I like it. Give reps to both. Um, obviously Joe Mixon is your starting running back and that's the way it should stay, but I'm all about it. Get some out there too. Let's go to uh, the wide receiver room. You were talking about the corners and Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd all had key catches out there. Um, even though, you know, give it up to Tampa's defense for, for most of the game, trying to stop them from uh, being a problem out there. Yeah, I thought Carlton Davis in the first half had the best game I've seen against Jamar since Denzel Ward in his rookie year. Um, breaking up two back shoulder balls is incredible. Like that play is pretty unguardable when those two are on, but he did a really good job and he was out of phase. He wasn't in phase either, which means he had eyes on chase, not on the quarterback. So he doesn't know when it's coming until chase turns around. And usually chase is so late hands on that, that you just can't make a play. Denzel Ward got smoked on it. Um, and a lot of times me included are, we, we just chalk it up to, uh, oh, that's impossible to cover. Davis covered it twice. Oh man, that was a really good game from him. And I feel better talking about it because the Bengals won and you can give your props that way. You don't feel like that's why they won, but early on, that was, that was really good. That was a really good game from him. Um, he's a really underrated corner in the league. I think he's one of the better guys out there. Kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe like the Chidobe Wuzier of the NFC type. You know, Wuzier used to be in the NFC. He's He plays really well. I, I like him every time I watch him. Those Bucks corners are also very physical. And I don't think the Bengals got out-muscled 
but I think that the Bengals wide receivers kind of invite that contact sometimes. They like to uh, match, you know, lock horns <laughs> with these corners. That's kind of a win for the corner because you're wasting your time instead of trying to avoid them or just run past them. You're really engaging in the physicality. But I think the Bengals wide receivers just like doing that. They like to be physical and try to overpower these guys. So it was a fun matchup. I'm excited to watch that on all 22 because – I thought Davis played really well. We'll see if it translates to when I can see him every play, but at least on his targets early on, really good game. I'm going to, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Like, as you mentioned, it's always easier after when to look back and be like, yeah, credit to them uh, for a great game. But I was getting really nervous with what the offense looked like. It looked so flat in the beginning of the game. And then it felt like conservative on the next three and out um, just bad things were happening. And it just was like a deja vu because every time he has those tip passes in an opening drive or, you know, against an AFC North opponent, just bad things happen and it just all falls apart and they just forget how to play. Uh, but obviously adjustments were had and the turnovers did help on defense in the second half, but overall, um, felt like it's good news. You get T Higgins back out there. You get Tyler Boyd back out there. We didn't know going into the week, they were questionable, limited at practice. They did go full on Friday. Um, but just good to have those three receivers right now. And, and, um, Mitchell Wilcox with, with the, the last touchdown of the game tied in number two right now. What did you think of Mitchell? Cause he did have a, a key catch, um, in the second half too. That play was cool. They, uh, you know, four minute drill. Which means you're just trying to run that clock out, run, 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 keep everything in bounds, gain first downs. Then they fake a play. I think they fake counter, and it looked like you know a guy pulls. You know, it's a long developing fake handoff, and then Burrow comes around and he's got the ball. And what's he doing? Mitchell Wilcox coming open for the touchdown. That was that was a really cool design. Really cool. Not really cool, but really well-timed call as well because they were running the ball the entire drive and the Bucks were selling out to stop to stop it to give Brady another chance. And it was the dagger. It was uh, what put them out of reach. So I thought the play call was more cool than anything Wilcox really did on that play, although Wilcox, good job to catch it. And I think he ran fast and hard <laughs> to get into the end zone. But the play call was uh, the highlight for me. And uh, I thought Wilcox was fine. It's hard to say he's a tight end. So like a lot of his reps are things that, you know, you don't really notice when you're just hanging out watching the game. But uh, I thought he was fine. Like, I, I don't think he was bad. I think there was one moment in the first half, but everybody played pretty poorly in the first half. So I don't really care that much. But uh, overall, I thought he was fine. thought you didn't miss too much in the tight end room. Hurst can give you a little bit more but Wilcox had one of his better games. Yeah, and that's something to keep an eye on, too, with Hayden Hurst. Um, I know he was out of his boot last week, so we'll see when he returns. It just feels like everything is circled for this Bills game. You can't overlook the Patriots. Um, it's tough Bill Belichick defense still, and you know anything is absolutely possible on a Saturday NFL game uh, during December, but hopefully they can keep the win streak alive. Did you see how the Patriots lost today? Yes, I saw how they okay. lost. Which is absolutely insane. There were so many crazy endings. I've week. never seen that in my life. The throw it back, and it almost looked like Jacoby Myers just threw it right to Chandler Jones. Like, I don't even know who he was trying to throw it to. But Dude. if you're if you're trying to throw it that far behind the behind where you were, it's just like, just go down. You're, you're not scoring if you're losing that much ground. But, oh, my God. And then the quarter, was it Mac Jones that got stiff-armed? 
the the yeah, NFC wild card is absolutely just... wild right now when oh you think of God. the final spots. I've never seen a play like that. I just had to bring it up because I watched it before we came up here, and I was just like, that has to. If I was a Patriots fan, I don't know what I'd do. Like I would just stare blankly at the TV. I think for the next ten minutes, like what just that, trying to process. I don't feel bad for Patriots fans. Oh, um, I don't either. <laughs> I'm just trying to think if this happened to the Bengals, what I would do. Stare at it, and we'd have an entire segment about yelling about that stupid play. You know what I might do after we get done doing this? I'll search Patriots uh, ending and see what see what the tweets are because those are always fun to watch. But let's talk about the playoff picture next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We talked about the defense. We talked about the offense. We gave some credit to special teams. Drew Christman had one punt I didn't really like early on, but um, it was fine. It was fine the rest of the game. Uh, any other takeaways from uh, this matchup? I was trying to find punting stats. Uh, 45-yard average, two in the 20 on four punts. I don't remember. He had what a bounce back. Okay. Hit a bounce back. Um, and also, I looked it up be, uh, so I could mention it. Mix in 11 carries, P. Ryan 7. Total touches, I could let you know that real quick. I know Mixon had a few catches. P. Ryan had one catch for zero yards. Mixon, five catches for 33 yards. Although I do know P. Ryan was on the field for like that two-minute drill and stuff. When the Bengals are up like that, Mixon's going to be on the field more when they're behind. It'll be closer to 50-50, although I still don't think P. Ryan will take the lead. Like, I do think the Bengals have Mixon as the one and P. Ryan as the two. They're just moving closer together. Yeah, and I'm all about it, honestly. If you can have more weapons on this offense, and then Samaje definitely stepped up when Joe was out, give me both of those running backs. Um, Obviously, Joe Mixon is still the starting RB1. Taylor has said it. Joe Mixon has said it. Um, Everybody is, is aware of that, but Overall, this team, they're 10 and 4. They started the season out 0 and 2. Um, they're on a six-game win streak. They have solo possession of the AFC North. You have the Patriots, the Bills, and the Ravens. The last three final weeks, two of those are at home, one on the road. This Saturday, as we mentioned, a short week. This team controls their AFC North division title destiny. How do you feel about it right now in the AFC North? I feel pretty good. If the Ravens lose another game, I'll feel great. But right now it's just pretty good because everything still comes down to that last game. Um, they control their destiny after the two seed, though. Like, it's not just they control their destiny for the AFC North. They win out, they get the two seed because the Bills and them play and oh, you yeah. can get the tiebreaker. Yeah, and I think that the two seed is so important because we talk about seeding and, and what that really looks like. You get the two seed, you get two home games. I mean, obviously you have to win one of the home games to get the second one. <laughs> but at the same time, this team has played really well at home all season. Besides the Steelers game that we will not mention. It's their only <laughs> loss at home at this very moment as we're recording this. You have two more to play at home and just imagine two home playoff games uh, would be absolutely huge for this team. Obviously a one would be amazing and you get that bye week and, and get a, get a week of rest for your team to get healthy going into the divisional round. But you look at the AFC as a whole right now, you look at Kansas city, 
Look, you can't overthink the Texans. They almost lost that game. Oh they go God. overtime with the Texans. I haven't been impressed with KC all that much, even when they played the Denver Broncos the week before when they had like a 27 or 21 point lead and ended up um, coming pretty close to like the final drive of the game. And it was only because their backup quarterback was absolutely terrible for the Broncos. And that's saying something because uh, Russ hasn't played great this season. But the other AFC teams, I mean, the Buffalo Bills, you look at the Miami Dolphins, credit to the Miami Dolphins. A lot of people were counting them out. Obviously, they still lost, but a lot of people were counting them out in that game. And they they go down to the wire with Buffalo, with the snow pouring down. I really wanted that game to go to overtime um, and still made it a game on the road um, in a tough environment. And, um, you know, they're not looking like they started the season when they were 3-0. Um, but there's just, it, it's hard for me to pick another team in the AFC that I feel is better than the Cincinnati Bengals right now. And yes, I know they're 10 and four and the Buffalo bills and the Kansas city chiefs are 11 and three. Yeah. I mean, I do feel really good about the Bengals, even considering this game wasn't that great. Uh, when you mess with the simulator, I'm using 538. when you mess with it and you have the Bengals win out, not only do they win the division, make the playoffs, of course, but Gives them a 50% chance at a first round bye with them and the Chiefs. The Chiefs have to lose a game for that. Um, and they play Seattle, Denver, and Vegas. So whatever you think is the like the likelihood there, but they almost lost to the Texans today. So if the Chiefs drop one game and the Bengals win out, they win the one seed and you get a bye. So it is a chance where it is without messing with the predictor too much you are currently sitting at a 12 percent chance at that first round by which is not too high but you beat the bills i think that's a big one and you went out you got an actual shot at getting that one seed yeah i think i mean obviously it's week by week all games are important and it looks like if they were to get a win next week against the patriots they would clinch their playoffs yeah it's at greater than 99 percent now I was trying to mess with it for a second to see even how you can get to the point where the Bengals don't make the playoffs. Uh, obviously, they lose out. No. I think the, I think the Jets have to win out. The Dolphins have to win a couple games but drop the game to the – it's like a very weird – if somebody can figure it out exactly how the Bengals could not make the playoffs, <laughs> they can let me know. Um, but, yeah, when I was messing with I could not get it to go to they didn't make the playoffs. It's just always at greater than 99%, but I know there's a chance out there. So whoever can figure out the weird win-loss tie thing so that the Bengals don't make the playoffs, uh, let me know. Hit me up. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go, that. yeah I want to go back to the AFC North right now. Um, and, and I know Lamar Jackson was out. Obviously, they put up three points. They struggled. But here's the thing. Even when Lamar Jackson has been in there this season – I've, I've heard national people cover this team and be like, oh, we still haven't seen the Ravens A game. And when they really put it together, they're just going to be so hard to stop. We haven't really seen it at all this season that the Baltimore Ravens looked that great besides early, early on in regular season, like September. And I'm just, I'm not impressed with the Baltimore Ravens. Even if they get Lamar Jackson back, I I don't feel confident in their ability. Um, and if Lamar is playing, he's one and three in, in the postseason right now. I feel like it is a when they get Lamar back, not an if. Right? Oh, yeah, when they get him back. But at the same time. Oh, I was just wondering wait, because you when, said. Oh, if, I didn't mean he was. He's not out for the. No, he's not out for the season. I should have said when. I should have said when. They oh, get good. Him back. I didn't know if you knew something. I didn't know. No, 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 oh. I don't. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Uh, disclaimer. We're crediting uh, that. I'll, I'll edit that right now. Uh, no, Lamar Jackson when he comes back. But at the same time, I'm just I wasn't impressed when he was out there. Yeah, the offense is just whatever. Like, 
a lot of the time. Uh, I think that is a little bit of what Twitter likes to blame it all on play calling. I think there's a little bit there. I also think they just don't have talent. Like, no. you know, they get uh, Bateman gets hurt. And now their best receiver is either Demarcus Robinson or Deshaun Jackson, who on most teams is probably the fourth or fifth guy. Uh, that's what Robinson was last year. And Jackson was on and off teams last year. So I, I, Mark Andrews is good, but he's been hurt. They don't really have great running backs. They have a pretty good offensive line. That all combines into like not a good unit, even with Lamar. I know Lamar can do some crazy stuff, but as me and my fantasy team knows, he hasn't really done that in a long time. So <laughs> honestly, uh, for fantasy football, just completely sidetrack 40 minutes in. I can mention it, even though nobody cares. I almost feel good that Lamar has not played because I haven't felt the need to play him. Like I got 50 points from Kirk Cousins. And I'm like, do I even go back to Lamar if I if he plays? Like I, I feel like I might just bench him the rest of the way. Dude, and, and and you know what? And that's not I don't want to be down on, on Lamar for you know when he was when he was healthy and he was out there. I it's his, it's the front office at Baltimore um that you can blame for what they've uh, put quotation marks around him absolutely nothing they got rid of their best receiver last year and they didn't really help him in the offseason so I I think that's a fail on the Baltimore Ravens um to be determined on what that even looks like for them this offseason they obviously have a really big decision to make and Lamar Jackson has a decision to make on if he's coming back to Baltimore or if he's going to go sign a contract with another team depending on what that number looks like but obviously still a lot of football left I think the AFC as a whole um the wild card teams I think what's fun when you think about the wild card teams, the Jags and the Lions, I know the Lions are in the NFC. Those two would be wild if they got in. And two teams, I don't know if I would want to play if I was in the NFC or if I'd want to play the Jags in the first round if I'm in the AFC right now. I'd rather play the Jets than the Jags. Uh, yeah. I'd rather play the Patriots. And, uh, the only thing that pauses me on the Patriots, even though I think they're a worse team than the Jags, is saying I want to play Bill Belichick in the playoffs is something that I do not want to say. Nope. <laughs> but I do think in a vacuum without considering that, uh, yeah, I'd rather play the Patriots than the Jags. The Jags are a pretty good team and they're fun. I, I, I've caught, I caught this game. I watched the entire thing for the Bengals game, which was a wild game. And then uh, I watched most of their game against the Ravens. I mean, well, not most of the game, uh, but I caught the ending, which felt like most of the game. So it, they're they're a spunky team. I've always been a fan of Doug Peterson. So I remember thinking early on that was one of the best hires of this cycle, especially just to get Trevor Lawrence a real coach and not like a shot in the dark of like, ah, eh, this guy might work. Yeah. It's like, no, this guy's going to work for you. And uh, overall, I think the Jags are fun. The Lions are also fun. I feel I'd feel better playing them if I was an NFC team. I think though, just because Jared Goff and. I think that Jared Goff will eventually always turns into the pumpkin. You know, if it's they, the go playoff, to Super Bowl. they went to a Super Bowl, kind of despite him a little bit. <laughs> it's Zach Taylor. Credit to Zach Taylor for getting him. Credit back. to Zach Taylor for getting into that Super Bowl. I thought the defense was really good in that on that playoff run. I thought the refs were great on that call <laughs> against the Saints. <laughs> they just leveled the receiver. Like three seconds where the ball gets there, the ball just floats. And then for a year, we had reviewable pass interference. Because that was of that. terrible. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was bad. Uh, that was that was such a bad call that it ruined <laughs> kind of officiating for a year. But overall, 
I, I think the Jags are a team that can make one of those. I don't know. I don't think they have enough talent to make the Super Bowl. Although I guess you could have said that about the Bengals last year if you were somebody that was watching from the outside. But to me, they're like a team that they could upset somebody early on. Like, I don't know. Uh, I, I can't think of too many different teams this has happened with. I know that. You know, the Giants were really high there one year and they lost in like the first round. I think of all these teams that lost early on. And I think that's something that the Jags could do. Like if they play the Bills week one of the playoffs, that's probably not something great. Yeah, the Jags won the AFC South. Oh, you want them to win the AFC they South? Could. And they're, the still, Ravens. they're still in Nick, wow. Uh, that means that the Ravens uh, are the five seat. So I'm into this. I'm into this. At first I was trying to figure out if you meant that the Ravens win the division, but they do not. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I'm into that. Jack's hosting a playoff game. That's super fun. I'd catch that game for sure. And if I, if it is Jack's Ravens, I think that I would put, I'd put my money on the Jacks. They're really hot right now. The Ravens are not at all. I know that their defense is suspect. They don't really have receivers either. Shout out Marvin Jones with a touchdown today. Uh, but overall, I don't know. I like the Jags a lot. They're they're fun. I hope that the Bengals don't play them in the playoffs. No. Not because I think the Bengals will lose so much, but I do think that would be a tight game and kind of annoying. Yeah, I agree with you. And and you mentioned it with Trevor Lawrence. It's really cool to see him um, get a legit head coach because I was just so unfortunate with Urban Meyer. Uh, I remember Joe Burrow going to him after the Thursday night game and he had some words of wisdom. And like one of the things he said, hey, my like, coach after Urban was good too. <laughs> that's what he should have said. That's what he should have said. Actually. Um, but, but I, he, he went to him, just kind of had uh, some words of wisdom and just like, Hey, things are going to get better. Things will get better. He, he's been there before and look, look what's happening to him right now. They have a chance to, uh, compete for the AFC South. And and I agree. They're, they're fun to watch. Um, obviously I remember watching that game in Nashville right after the game, even the Bengals were watching it in their locker room, the ending of what was happening with the Baltimore Ravens and the Jugs and everybody was obviously really happy about that. So they're a fun team. It's, it's wild to think about that conversation, but we're almost there. We're three weeks left a regular season. That's what bums me out right now is how fast this season has gone. You start the 0-2 slump and you're like, ooh, ooh, this is going to be one of those years. They're really not going to play very well or will they bounce back and at four four and four at one time and to just go on this uh this win streak six games in a row you're on top of your division uh you're playing good football you're obviously battling some injuries right now hoping to get some key guys back when you you take on the patriots the bills and the baltimore ravens but this is fun this is fun to talk about this in uh mid to late december and kind of look at the playoff picture and what can happen for the cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, uh, man, I think I remember early on, I thought this was going to be like 2006. Like, I I really had that thought in my mind of like, this is going to be the year that everybody's excited. And then for whatever reason, like they they miss the playoffs, even though they're a really good team. But this is a better team than the 2005 team that everybody has, you know, I think still has their orange tinted glasses on when they think about them. This is a better team. Twenty. 21 was a better team than 2005 and now 2022 is a better team than 2006 so they just keep rolling on and uh this is probably going to be the best uh, i don't want to jinx anything don't jinx it no 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 no. we don't do that but i will say i'm excited about the future of this team i am too and i would just like to say it's always game day started this season and this team is 10 and 4 
Um, so maybe good luck from the podcast. Um, that's why they're playing really well. And no, I'm just joking, but thanks everybody. I feel like we could say that last, if we started last year. Like if we started last you're year. Right, you're right, you're and right. And then you're it's right. like, SD went to a Super Bowl last year with us, and now they're, you know, looking good again. Uh, now it, it I mean, I guess it's a better regular season than last year. I'm just glad we don't have to do the thing where I said we might have to have callers at some point this season yeah. because they're playing bad. So I'm very happy to be at this moment at 10 and 4. Obviously, still, uh, you know, a few games to go in regular season. Got to clinch that playoff spot and hopefully a division. Maybe a one or two seed. We'll see what happens. But uh, just one football right now. And, you know, we'll have a game preview going into the week and a look ahead to the Patriots. Thank you as always. Make sure you're following along. Bengals underscore Sands. What's up on all Bengals this week? Gonna be takeaways as always. Um, the first. I don't know why I ask you on Monday. Sundays. Hey, what's <laughs> up there? You gotta do like a. Oh yeah, recap of the game. Okay, cool. Recap uh, of the game. Fun <laughs> stats. Whatever I figure out. Make sure you uh, go check that out, all Bengals. And then his breakdowns, obviously. He's going to go back and watch the tape, and you can see awesome clips over on Twitter, Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. But as always, thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.